The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. Jason Stark from The Athletic, longtime uh, reporter around Major League Baseball, kind enough to join us here on the Hobson and Hobson Newsmaker line on the Fan 680 and 93.7 FM. Jason, we've been talking about the uh, rules changes, and these things are going to be taking place immediately. Maybe that's why we're seeing so many veterans, not just the pitchers and catchers, reporting to spring training much earlier than usual. Well, <laughs> I, I, you know, in my experience, players love to get to spring training for all kinds of reasons, and WBC is among the reasons. But I do think this is on the list because I, I don't think we've really begun to comprehend the kind of impact it's going to have on so many players and, you know, not just pitchers with the clock, but hitters too. We're talking about people needing to change routines and habits that are hardwired into their brain that they've done their whole lives. And I don't know, I don't know about you guys. That doesn't seem that easy to me. No, especially because these guys, whether you want to call it a routine superstitious or just, I can't live without adjusting my batting gloves. (laughs) That third time. I Nick and I were talking to start the show, though. To me, the greatest ancillary benefit of all this, the good old-fashioned ejection might come back into play, and it might not just be managers. I, th- this could be Katie bar the door of umpires having to deal with people who are really pissed off at times. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't think there's even a doubt about that, Chris, because you know what happens if anybody decides to argue a pitch clock violation automatic ejection like it's just like balls and strikes you can't argue balls and strikes and umpires have been told call everything call it to the letter of these rules and we don't care who gives you grief whether it's the biggest star in baseball or some some kid up from double a for the day if they argue a pitch clock violation they are gone and so I don't know what's the over/under on spring training ejections. It's, it's like in a normal spring, it's what like two. Yeah, well, it's, well, it's when two hundred. It's when a guy's driven himself to an away game and he just wants to get to the golf course, back to the, <laughs> back to the house. Yeah, right. But those are the times that guys maybe you know fuss a little bit. The other thing, and I'm not sure it's a big deal if you're telling me they're going to play that close to the letter of the law. But there are ten new umpires, and what is it? Even managers who haven't done it long, what do they want to feast on? They want to feast on young young umpires, don't they? Uh, yeah, well, you know, actually, the, I, I think the fact that we've got so many young umpires, not just coming in this year, but over the last few years, is a huge advantage. Because, for one thing, all of them have operated with a pitch clock in the minor league. Some of them have dealt with shift regulations in the minor league. So they're actually ahead of the curve compared to veteran umpires so i think that part's a, a a good thing the other part is like if if you know we if we had a sport full of guys like joe west how much patience would they have to really enforce this stuff uh, i think the fact that you've got a younger more open-minded group means they're going to be more open to doing what needs to be done I, but i think the downside which speaks to what you were asking is if that's the case um 
there's more likely to be tension between veteran players and umpires they really barely know or don't know at all than there would have been versus guys who they've had experience with their whole careers. So I don't know. I keep thinking about it and thinking, what could possibly go wrong other than everything? It'll be entertaining, if nothing else. Jason Stark from The Athletic with us on the Hobson & Hobson Newsmaker line. But we're all creatures of habit, let alone baseball players. And you wrote about it in your article in The Athletic, the first time that a frustrated pitcher steps off the mound. Guess what that is? That's a disengagement. So we're going to see a lot of that as well. Yeah, disengagement is going to be the magic word <laughs> this spring and this season. Like We never had to worry about disengagements except when the Kardashians were involved, but it's a whole different deal now because disengagements change everything. Um, Every pitcher only gets two of them per plate appearance with a runner on base. And why is that a big deal? Because if you get to two, then if you throw over to first base or second base, wherever a third time, and that runner's not out, that's a balk. I think most runners are going to probably just take off and try to get the steal out of it. But we understand that a pickoff throw is one. But our whole lives, we've been watching pitchers who are looking in at the catcher, and either they're not on the same page or the pitcher just kind of zones out and it needs to hit the reset button. What have they done all their lives? They step off the rubber. That used to have no consequences. Now it counts the same as a pickoff throw. So if there's one step off, one casual throw to first base, you've already reached your quota. And then that changes the running game. It changes the art of controlling the running game. It could lead to all kinds of adventures. And personally, I can't wait. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break the rule, never ask a question you don't know the answer to. And I'm, <laughs> I apologize if you don't. If there's first and second, do I get two throws to first and two throws to second? And could I use a sort of BS throw to second to get my thoughts where the pitch clock can then reset? Is it two to each base if there's a couple of guys on base? Uh, no. It, you get two per plate appearance unless a runner or multiple runners <clears throat> have advanced to the next base, at which point you get two more. Okay. So, so the clock you resets. You can't just start throwing to bases. <laughs> How many do I? Well, think about this. He's throwing a third. There's nobody there. I'm sorry, but the, yeah, you <laughs> lose track. Somebody, yeah, it's still a box. Yeah, somebody's got to tell you. Okay, here's the other one on that. Then, um, the idea that the bases are bigger. Nick and I were again. We're trying to figure out what does it really, really mean. Other than safety, take take safety out of it. What does it mean for the game? Yeah, I think that's still kind of an unknown. It is safer, but. I mean, the the thing that baseball keeps talking about is it reduces the distance between first and second and second and third by, if I'm doing the math right, four and a half inches. And it doesn't seem like much, but when you think about bang-bang plays and then you add it to these limitations on pickoff throws, there's going to be more base dealing. You know, the the rate of of stolen base attempts in the minor leagues is something we haven't seen in the big leagues in a hundred years. Nobody expects that to happen, but it's going to be an evaluation process early on because base stealing is now basically a math equation. You know, we, we know how fast every pitcher is to home plate. We know what the pop time is of every catcher releasing the ball, getting it to second base. 
And if the math shows you're going to be successful 70% of the time or more, we're going to let you run. Well, the the base dealing percentages are going to go way up, which means all of a sudden, like the Terrence Gores of the world, they're a thing. Like if you have a guy who's just a burner in your system, why not have him use, take up that 26th roster spot and use him late in games every time you you need to get a guy advanced to second or third base? There's almost no chance he's ever going to be out now. Also very important to have a guy like a Sean Murphy behind the plate like the Braves do have. What sets him oh, yeah. apart defensively? Uh, say that again, Nick. What sets him apart defensively, Sean Murphy? Well, um, he grades out <clears throat> so well on framing and pop time. Really second only to JT Real Muto. And you just hit on it. Um, you know, we, we've gotten used to teams concentrating on the art of pitch framing as the essential skill in catching. And it still matters, uh, you know, unless we get a full-time robot ump situation, which I don't think we're going to get, certainly not this year. But now the ability to catch and throw and get rid of the ball quickly and throw it accurately in a world where pitchers are going to have more trouble than they've ever had holding runners, that becomes incredibly valuable, more valuable than it's been probably at any time in I, I don't even know how many decades. And Sean Murphy fits that profile. And the Braves were so smart to target that guy, acquire that guy, especially for the price they paid. And then sign him. The idea that if a guy right. goes over twice to first, in theory and maybe practicality, it means I can take a bigger lead. It's not that you can't throw it over a third time, but you better pick him off. Is there a chance we actually see an uptick in pickoffs because guys get a little bit greedy after two times coming over? You know, that's a great question because we've been assuming nobody will ever be out. That's not true in the minor leagues. There were quite a few pickoffs. The data is a little hazy on you know what what dots we can connect, but there there were pickoffs after two disengagements. That does happen. Um, you know, runners are going to need to have a much more concrete plan in their head for how they're going to approach this stuff. But teams are going to game plan it. Uh, You know, the most interesting situation to me, and I did write about this in my piece, is first and third. Because the the potential for that little league base running play, you know, that gets you the guy, the, the steal of home, is off the charts now. If the runner's on third, there's so many advantages to that runner on first just taking a ridiculous lead and just daring the pitcher to make that throw to first. And then what happens? Um, the runner on third has a has an even bigger advantage because he knows this is happening. There's no uncertainty about whether the runner's going to uh, whether the pitcher's going to throw over. You're going to you're going to make it where it's almost impossible for him not to throw over. So this is a, this is stuff that teams are strategizing on both ends. What are we going to do when the runner takes that lead? How big a lead can we take? What's that runner then going to do when they throw over? Like all this stuff is going to play out in spring training, except that I think we have some teams that have secret strategies on how they're going to how they're going to defend this. I don't think we'll see any of those cards shown in spring training. And we haven't even talked about the shift yet. We we can maybe save that after we watch the next six or seven No, but weeks. you brought up something in the piece as well. What about a two-man outfield? Yeah, that's going to happen. You know, the four-man outfield, that's over. 
that's illegal. But the two-man outfield is not illegal. It's just risky. Uh, you know, just think about how this would work. You know, we've watched a lot of years now as the shift has exploded of the third baseman, the shortstop, whoever it is, setting up in short right field right behind that second baseman. Brian McCann and, weeps as he thinks about <laughs> that scenario. That's been a lot of outs on his ledger, yeah. right? But So that that can't happen now. But the left fielder, the left fielder can set up there. The downside is what happens if the hitter loops one into left field? Is it going to be an inside-the-park home run? I, th- I think baseball hopes so because it doesn't want to see the two-man outfield. And if every, like if it works, the two-man outfield, um, and everybody starts doing it, and it's it's happening a lot, hidden inside the language of the shift ban is baseball can change that rule. Now, it's tricky to define where outfielders stand, but the, I, if this if this proliferates, this will totally happen. Okay. There were four things that I think the Braves have sort of hanging in the air. One is Max Reed seems to be the only guy without a contract that goes beyond his arbitration years. Do you yep. think Max Reed sees anything in a longer-term deal before he hits free agency here? I mean, I think at this point he's he's probably gotten too close. Um, you know, if you look at the players the Braves have extended – are all of all those extensions before the Max Fried's length of service time? I'm going to say 100% of them, right? They like to they like to get these guys signed up early and pay below market price, buy off free agent years, and you know that's worked with so many of these guys who just want to play in Atlanta, and you know it's so close to home. Um, when guys get close to free agency, which happened with Freddie, which happened with Dansby, and now it's happening with Max, and they're not signed. Where's the precedent that the Braves are going to sign them? Do you see one? Well, and Alex Anthopoulos with long-term deals for pitchers is a little bit different than some other guys as well. He told us a story. He got burned in Toronto. It doesn't matter the details, but I don't think he's changed his mind on that. Am I crazy to think that Marcel, again, another conversation here, Marcelo Zuno will get a month. If he's five pounds overweight in spring, I'm sending him home. That's my first visual on him. But does he get a month to prove he can hit? And is there a chance they have to eat a 30-plus million dollar salad if it doesn't work? Boy, you know, that's a place that the Braves really haven't been willing to go in conversations that I'm aware of. Um, It's hard to believe that after everything they've dealt with with this guy, that he's still on the team. But the fact that he is still on the roster, I, I think that's telling us something. I, I, I know they've assembled multiple options now for left field DH, and maybe there's no place for him if those things work. But why is he still on the team? Why is he coming to camp? Um, I think it tells you the Braves are reluctant to just eat the money. Um, they, they've got to be because – what are they getting out of this arrangement? Fishing up with Jason Stark from The Athletic. He's with us on the Hobson and Hobson Newsmaker line. Wanted to go back to the rules changes. We talked about the pitchers, but what about the hitters? We know about the 15-second clock, but by eight seconds, there's something else that needs to be happening there, right, for the hitters? Yeah, this is, this is the fine print on the pitch clock rule uh, that is really going to drive hitters crazy. Um, with eight seconds left on the clock, they have to be in the box, and locked in on the pitcher. Uh, 
So think about it. With a 15-second clock, nobody on base. That means you've got seven seconds to, to step out, adjust your gloves, think through what all the data is on this pitcher and what he likes to throw into certain counts. And I, I don't know that modern hitters are wired that way. They're going to have to do some serious retraining of their brains. Not just this is not just habits. These these are hardwired routines uh, locked into their brains for their whole lives. And again, the umpires have been told no exceptions. Okay, so uh, it doesn't matter if it's Mookie Betts or Bryce Harper or Pete Alonzo or Ronald Acuna, if they're not back in the box, that's a strike. It doesn't matter if there's already two strikes and that means they're out. It doesn't matter if it means that decides the game. They've been told, call everything on everybody and make no exceptions to get, to get people's attention. So this spring, I, 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 we're going to see games decided by this stuff. Um, I can't even comprehend. So we just had a mean, super. There's going to be some angry players. Well, we just had a Super Bowl that everybody said should the play have been called fourth quarter, two minutes left. Are you supposed to eat the whistle at that point? Again, I'm not telling you what Tuesday night in June should have people flipping tables. But if this goes to the postseason and we have what has happened in college and NFL football, where you go. Aren't you supposed to eat the whistle there? Nope. Violation is a violation. I don't think that's a regular season thing unless it's your team. It could be a postseason thing for somebody if it continues. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if, as we go along, umpires get more lenient. You know, this, like in spring training, um, there, there's no doubt they, that they think the most important value is shock value. And that if if players get called out on strikes for not being in the box, that might happen once. It's not going to happen twice. Um, If a pitcher doesn't start his delivery on time and that results in ball four where the base is loaded, that's not going to happen a second time. They they desperately want to get through all that stuff as soon as possible. And the minor league evidence shows – that takes four to six weeks, and then things kind of even out. But then what happens as they go along? I don't know. Like there's a, you know, there's a, another thing in the language of these rules that we haven't paid a lot of attention to, and that is the common sense part where it says, you know, if there's a pitch com issue and the pitcher has to step off to get the pitch com straight, you, you're going to allow a little leeway for certain stuff. If there's an injury or an untied shoe, you the umpire is supposed to let that happen once. But who's going to get the benefit of the doubt from these umpires? Uh, you, let me ask you, like, start thinking about the, the makeup of the Braves. And, okay, um, veteran players, veteran pitchers, Charlie Morton gets the benefit of the doubt. That kid you just called up from Gwinnett, get it. I'm going to say no, and that's that's a whole nother subplot to watch. You talked about Acuna getting called out on strikes in the bottom of the eighth, maybe because he was a couple of seconds late getting in the box. Wouldn't it be fitting if Angel Hernandez did that? <laughs> you know, it's funny that, that that the expression Angel Hernandez moment has come up in so many of my conversations about this thing that I actually put it in the piece I wrote. Um, you know, a lot of these Older umpires are out. Um, Angel's still there. 
And it just feels like when you're watching Angel Hernandez umpire, every night he wants to make sure you're aware Angel Hernandez is one of the umpires tonight. And the opportunities for him to do this kind of stuff we've been talking about and get people's attention and have carte blanche to make whatever call he wants and eject whoever he wants, that's got to happen. It doesn't have to happen. Is there an is there some kind of DraftKings line on that? And there's a difference there between be. there's a difference between Joe West and Angel Hernandez. Because Joe West, you might not like it, and it was the Joe West show at times, but I almost think it was kind of ha ha ish funny. Nobody yeah. thinks Angel Hernandez is ha ha funny. <laughs> Nobody. So true. And everybody's gotten screwed by him, it seems. It doesn't seem like it's a just a one or two cities. I think everybody's got an Angel Hernandez moment, as you said. Well, I, it feels like it. Yeah. Hey, uh, and, you know, maybe he gets a little cover from the fact that baseball's told all the umpires to call everything and right, not tolerate any crap. So maybe, be, maybe this will be such a common occurrence this spring that we'll barely notice him. But he can save it up for the regular season for just the right moment. Opening day shortstop for the Braves, Vaughn Grissom, yes or no? Yeah, I think that's what they want to happen. July 1st? You know, I haven't seen enough of them. If Ron Washington says it's going to work, then okay, I'm I'm willing to trust that. But I do think that Alex, master of the trade deadline that he is, knows that you don't have to get your team totally set on March 30th. And if something's not working, um, there are options as you go along as you get to July. So I, I like the idea given the alternatives of giving him every opportunity as opposed to bringing in Elvis Andrus, I do. Um, I, am, do I know it's going to work? I've seen prospects who are way more hyped than him have it not work. So it's it's never been harder to break into the big leagues because there's so much information on you when you get there. And two weeks in, the other team knows everything about you. Yeah, um, definitely so, the great unknown. No question it, about that. Absolutely. All right, Jason Stark, always appreciate uh, the time, appreciate the conversation. Great piece in The Athletic on the rules changes. Hopefully we can do it again real soon. Guys, enjoyed it. Thanks, Thanks Jason. You got it. Jason Stark with us on the uh, Hobson & Hobson Newsmaker line. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.